Welcome to Candid Conversations with Dr. Mayfield. This episode is sponsored by Springs Mental Health Summit, a summit for parents, teachers, neighbors, and friends to talk about mental health in our community. For more information, go to springsummit.org. Here's your host, Trevor Sharon. Thank you for joining us again on Candid Conversations with Dr. Mayfield. We're so thrilled that you are joining us today. We wanted to cover a topic that is near and dear to Dr. Mayfield's and I's hearts, and that is the mental health stigma. Mm. And what I mean by that is that there seems to be in our culture this stigma, this fear, this thought that is pervasive in our society around mental health, that the only reason to pursue mental health or counseling or therapy or psychiatry or medication is because there's something wrong with you. Right. You're crazy. Yeah. And And so we can't very easily find safe people who it's okay to say, you know what, I'm really struggling with depression and I feel like I need to talk to somebody. That just is not a common conversation. And I know Dr. Mayfield, you and I have experienced a lot in our in our area with a lot of teen suicides, that that was one of the contributing factors for some of these teens who took their lives was they just did not have a safe place or the permission to talk about the deeper issues that were going on inside and some of these things that are stigmatized. Mm. So we wanted to spend the next few minutes just talking about why there's a stigma around mental health and what we can do as individuals to kind of break that and begin a change. It's funny because I've had individuals come up to me a lot and kind of uh, even uh, talking with uh, professionals in the field that that they don't like the term stigma because it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And I'm like, good. Yeah, is like, stigma supposed to be a good thing? No, it's not. And, and you know, and I think uh, so. Let me, for those of you that get turned off by the word stigma, let me uh, use a different phrase: uneducated. Hmm. And I'm, gonna, I'm yeah, gonna, that might I'm, be a harsher word. I'm gonna, you know, tick some people off right now. But that I think, in a lot of ways, that's what a stereotype and a stigma are. Hmm. Are is just an uneducation, and that's why we're having these conversations. Is that we need to be educated, or at least have the desire to be educated going back to the fixed versus growth mindset that uh, like let's let's enjoy learning and let's grow in that yeah. uh, and uh, I was just sitting with uh, one of my supervisees the other day um, at, at the our other office and just talking about he had a couple clients come in and go wow this is not what we expected at all this is not what we saw on TV right you know uh, I thought I was gonna come in and get fixed and, and now you're challenging me to find routes and you know things for me to do myself like i thought you were gonna come fix me and you know so we have i think the stigma is perpetuated the under or uneducation is perpetuated by our media but what we see on a movie or a tv screen um, is not what therapy is yeah and, and it's not what mental health is either and i think we we get sensationalized by turning on the tv and going you know the the, the florida school shooting or mm-hmm. columbine yes those individuals struggled with mental illness but that's not all that mental illness is just because we have, right. you know, that's where our society or our media goes to. It's not the end all be all. And so obviously if I'm watching the news and this guy, you know, let's say uh, a, a shooting happens or something happens and it's, it's highlighted on the news and that person is said to have anxiety. Mm-hmm. Why the heck would I want to speak up and say, now I have anxiety because now right. here's how society sees anxiety and I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. I'm not going to be, I don't, I don't want to be pushed into that pigeonhole. And it, it could be something where we 
um, all of these very useful, um, not diagnoses, but just titles or explanations of what's going on, right? Uh, become stigmatized themselves, and so being told. I mean, I know that I've run into a situation where someone close to me, um, we're, we're learning that he may be on the autistic spectrum and that's really hard for the people around them because there's this misconception that that's a, a brokenness or a, a bad thing rather than uh, a useful tool for us to use of like, okay, now we know how this person is relating to the world around them and how we can be better equipped to interact with them. That's such a beautiful conversation to have Trevor. But let's be honest. It hasn't happened in our society. No. When you're different, if something's different, let's just not talk about mental health right now, but if you're different, I just saw this movie uh, called wonder it was an amazing movie about this kid that had had to have several facial surgeries when he was born because of just how he developed and he was different and how society treated him because he was different. Hmm. Uh, just because we're different doesn't mean it's bad or that we need to, uh, you know, but, but, but think about how society has continued. Right. Here's what the norms should be. Yeah. Right. Uh, you look at high school and all the popular kids look almost exactly the same. Mm -hmm. We I mean, act the same. If or, we look at uh, right. mean girls, they're right. all blonde, skinny, white girls. That's you begin to look like that. And so it's weird or bad or right. perceived. It's perceived that way. Sure. If you look differently. And so somehow if we enter into these conversations of being different, uh, somehow we're, we're wrong or mm. we're bad because of it. And I'm like, I'm going to, I want to stop that right now. We're uneducated. We're undereducated. Mm. Let's get educated. Yeah. Just because a kid has a vibrant imagination and is struggling to, to be in relationship with somebody else doesn't mean that he's bad. Yeah. It means that he is gifted in a very beautifully and different way. Yeah. Just because a, uh, a kid um, can't sit still in class doesn't mean that he's going to have ADHD. Maybe he's experiencing the world in a different way yeah. and we need to have words to that. Like, and even if he has that does have ADHD, it doesn't mean that it's bad. Yeah. It's just finding out what is and how do we operate in that? You and I have been very open and honest on this podcast that we struggle with depression and anxiety. Yeah. That's what led to some of our, our, you know, our suicide attempts and, and right. cutting and different things like that. And we shouldn't be ashamed to talk about that kind of stuff. And I want to read something real quick. Uh, as I've been, um, preparing for a talk and, and, and the book that I'm writing, um, I've come across some statistics and the National Institute of Mental Health has some pretty uh, good statistics on, on this, uh, kind of who in our culture is struggling right now. Mm -hmm. And, and this, is, this is just so I want our listeners just to slow down for a minute and listen, you know, try to be not distracted by what's going around because um, I think this will enhance our conversation. One in five children ages 13 to 18 have, a, have or will have a serious mental illness. One in five. 20% of youth ages 13 to 18 live with a mental health condition. Live, like every day, live with that. 50% um, of all lifetime cases of mental illness begin by the age of 14 and 75 by the age of 24. Hmm. So what are we doing by not talking about this? Right, we're delaying this. And one of the things that just floored me, and we've talked about this in public a lot, is that there is a 10-year gap between onset of symptomology and first ask of help. Yikes. 
10 years. Can you imagine if that was cancer? We wouldn't, I mean, we wouldn't stand for that. And yet here we are, it's 10 year, it's an average 10 year gap between when my anxiety starts and when I go, okay, it's probably bad enough now that I need to go get help. And I know for some, there may be some listeners out here that are very pro mental health, very pro counseling, but I'm going to give you an example that should show how pervasive this stigma is. If you have a, a couple friend of yours, married couple, and they say, yeah, we're going to see our marriage therapist immediately. Our minds go to, are you guys getting a divorce? Like, what's wrong? What's, wrong? Yeah. What's, what's going on? Rather than what my wife and I are trying to do of just checkups, have a third party who's knowledgeable and understanding, who's able to come in and say like, hey, I'm noticing some some different patterns that may not be the best for your marriage mm-hmm. and may turn into something further down the road. So Let's talk now. about that. Right. Absolutely. We just have such a culture where... One, we can't be honest with each other about what's going on really mm, in our lives. Right. And I think some of that is a positive too, because we need to find those safe people and not everybody is a right. safe person. So having those uh, filters of, I'm not just going to air my dirty laundry with everybody, but I'm going to be very specific about who I do that with is a good thing, but we still need to communicate. We've talked before about how our brains do not fully develop unless they're they're in relationship. Mm -hmm. This is part of that. Right. It's a relational uh, falling out, if you will, Mm. in our society. A couple more statistics and then we can continue the conversation. But so the same website, National Institute on Mental Health, uh, says this, 43.8 million adults experience mental illness in a given year, hmm. right, in the United States. And I can go into more statistics. I'm not going to bore people on that one. But this is what I f- find interesting is that depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. Depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide, uh, costing the world or no, $193 billion in lost earnings or wow. productivity. So why aren't we talking about this? Why aren't we providing supports? Um, For both youth and uh, adults, 90% of those that die by suicide have an underlying mental emotional struggle. Well, that's kind of a very obvious tie into what's causing this and how we Mm. can prevent some of these tragedies that we've seen in our community. Right. Well, I I think a lot of it comes down to... um, it has to start in the family hmm. and however family is defined. I don't, I honestly, in this conversation, I don't care how family is defined, but however family is defined, you have to start there. You have to create space for your kid to be okay with their emotions, you know, to be okay with struggle. And this is where the resiliency is built, right? Yeah. Um, you know, be okay about talking through tough stuff. We talk a lot about uh, in our attachment conversations about rupture and repair. But if 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 something goes wrong in the home, being willing as an adult to come up and say, you know, I really messed that up. Would you mm-hmm. forgive? You know, would you forgive me? And you're working through those things. But not have. But but also, I think too for those families that this is why it needs to start in the home. For those families that don't have a, a pervasive mental health issue talking about how do we care for those in our community, yeah. our neighbor, our friend, our cousin, our grandparent that are struggling and how do we create safe spaces for them? Yeah. And we've talked before about how like different reasons we can go to counseling. And I think, you know, as I'm learning through education about counseling and being in the field, quite a bit of it isn't necessarily around mental health, but it's relationship crafting. 
of like, hey, I'm really not able to maintain relationships. What am I missing about myself? And how can I put these pieces together? How can I be a better person and self-actualize this right. big uh, therapeutic word of just being the best self that you can be? Actually, well, I, I, I don't like the term self-actualize. I know I'm going to make a lot of counselors upset. <laughs> uh, I like self-realize. Hmm. Right, because it's more attainable. The self, I think, sometimes we talk about self-actualization as this ethereal, out there goal. Yeah. But what if we come to a self-realization? Who am I? Who, Who am I? I Who can I be? Who can I become? Uh, what are my What are my faults? What are my struggles? What are my warts? And how can I become okay with yeah. those things and lead with that? And if you look at counseling from that perspective, if you look at mental health from that perspective it becomes something that is universally helpful. Mm. I mean, who wouldn't benefit from having some expert be able to help you explore yourself and find those things. And maybe you'll come across, you struggle a lot with anxiety. And this is something that we need to focus on because it's hindering your ability to do the rest of life. Sure. And you said something, and I know you didn't mean it this way, but uh, you said, you know, find an expert. And, and I think, yes, you know, we as counselors have been trained in, in mental and emotional health and well-being. Uh, and, and a good counselor, like we talked about earlier, is mm-hmm. to go to, you know, in our earlier podcast, is going to treat you as the client, yeah. as the expert, yeah. because we're doing this together. And so it's not abdicating our role to find an expert, even though you want to find somebody that's expertise is in mental health, right? right. But coming with that, that, that desire and that going, you know what, I've lived this life. I have something to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one then re- reduces the stigma yeah, and helps with the undereducation as well. So what would, if we, if we try to take the most important step, the next one right. uh, towards a society that doesn't have this mental health stigma, um, I think in my mind, one of the first steps is having mental health checkups. Sure. We go to the dentist, we have our teeth cleanings, we go to the doctor for our checkups, we go to the eye doctor to get our prescription renewed. We do all of these things that we don't even think about as unusual or out of place. But then the thought of a mental health checkup is this very, I mean, it's the stigma. Sure. But what does that, what, what does a mental health checkup look like? Can I pause there for a second? I want to, just something that I just remembered watching on the news this week. And I think even the Me Too movement that's happened over the last eight, six, eight months has been a a cry to call out things that we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love the, the basis of that. I think the Black Lives Matter movement is the same thing. Let's talk about things that we don't talk about. Yeah. That are issues that are super important. The, the gun control topic, uh, you know, the, the kids, the students walking out, because of making a statement. I think that's, those are important things, but Oprah was on this week too. And uh, I'm not sure what uh, talk show she was on, but she was talking about her life and and the trauma that she went through and and the importance of trauma informed care. Mm. And, and, and it's Oprah, right? So she's now up leading the charge and talking about these things. And that's good. Even if some of these things get twisted in the media, so be it. But, but we are, talking about it yeah and i think that's the biggest thing if if those people people in power um a basketball player uh, i think his last name is love talked about the fact that hey i too struggle with anxiety here's what that looks like Mm -hmm. so if people in power or at least in the spotlight begin to bring down the veil and and have conversations about the vulnerable parts of their life yeah now we're removing stigma well if oprah could i mean oprah's got such a powerful 
platform. If Oprah can talk about it, maybe I can too. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. I love that. I don't care what you think about Oprah or not, but by her just doing that is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And so, yes, going back to the mental like the mental health checkups, um, how do we begin that to change that tide? It's going to take some time, but if you if we see that society values my mental and emotional health, yeah. Now going to uh, a counselor to get a mental health checkup that might turn into a couple months of counseling is not as scary anymore because we know that everybody else is talking about it too. And that's, that's very, very powerful. And I want to say this too. You've heard me say this a lot, that everything that is psychological is physiological. And just because we can't see it from, you know, we don't have x-ray vision and I can't see what's going on with your neurotransmitters or your physiology and your hormones doesn't mean that it's not just as real as the fa- uh, broken arm or cancer. Hmm. And so we can't just ignore some of these issues. I think we've, we've tried that and we've seen where that leads. Look at the trajectory of our society over the last two decades. You know, our mass shootings, you know, again, not trying to be politically correct or political at all, but just what has, what have we watched on our TV? It's, it's the value of human life has gone away. Mm -hmm. The, the, you know, but it's, you know, each individual in these things has, has struggled with, some form of mental or emotional illness. Yeah. And so if we're not being upstream proactive, we're always going to be reactive. And we're not going to make any progress. Yeah. And I'm just reflecting on some of the conversations we've had and how they tie into mental health of friendship. Mm-hmm. How do you develop a good friendship? How do you find safe people? All of these are mental health, pro mental health conversations that yes. begin this process. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while and interacting with your fellows about this, you're already taking the first steps to destigmatizing mental health, which is hopefully going to change the way society treats each other and help us as friends, family members, neighbors, whatever, just to care right more for ourselves and for the people around us to be more attentive to hey i've been noticing this lately what's going on and and creating a space that's safe to talk about some of these struggles because i know i mean for me if one of my friends were to lose it to whatever do whatever action out of the emotional turmoil within themselves and I find out that they've been struggling with depression and anxiety and some of these things that I, I want to be able to support them in, and they reacted out of this way, that would be heartbreaking for right. me because I want them to feel safe to say like, hey, I'm struggling with anxiety. And it's like, one, me too. I get that. Right. That makes sense to me. You're not yep. alone in that. But two, like, okay, let, what can I do to support you? Mm-hmm. It, rather than let's keep it in the darkness and you're the only one who's allowed to interact with your anxiety. Oh, sure. Yes, and and keeping that conversation going um, and not being afraid to be that neighbor or that friend that goes, no, you're, you're not okay. I can see it. Yeah. Like, hey, let's go grab coffee. Come in. Let's sit down and talk. And, and not just dismissing it and going, oh, okay. Right. You said you're fine. I hate that word. Yeah. You know, it's no, like I'm, and, and being courageous in speaking into somebody's life yeah. or as somebody that is struggling, being courageous to take a, take a step out yeah. and, and say, I need, I know and I'm not okay. Recognizing that that's the first step and that there are a lot of these struggles that we go through that we do need mm-hmm. a professional. 
And that's where I'm going to encourage the listeners right now. If you haven't listened to uh, the episode on how to pick a good counselor and yeah. what to look for in a good counselor, go back and listen to that. I think it was that. episode four. Yeah, four or five, because it's important to remind yourself of what you need to be looking for yeah. in, in, a, in a counselor that is competent and it's also going to walk with you in this. And I think that brings up a really good point of there's a lot of experiences that we've had as a culture with counselors that are just awful. Yep. Where the experience was terrible. It was more damaging than healing. Um, and I want to encourage our listeners to take the challenge of trying it one more time. Sure. Even if you tried it five times before, um, try again because you don't know where you'll be in five years and how much future you may thank you, uh, present you for taking that step. And go back and listen to the podcast because I don't want you to go to first page of Google and just kind of oh, randomly yeah. pick somebody because no. either, oh, they got the first page of Google. They must be good. Yeah. Maybe they are. And most likely they are. Um, but do your research. Yeah. The next right step. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. One. Yep. Yeah. And, and I hope that you can go back and listen to those podcasts and feel like you've been resourced. And if you run into a situation where you're really struggling between a couple options and are not sure how to do this, call us, call us. We're not going to try. I mean, obviously we have high respect and, uh, we, we know who we have on staff are excellent as therapists, but if you are interested in somebody else, we're going to help you through that. We want to be a resource to you as our listeners and the community around us. And also if you're out of state, exactly, you can call us and we will walk you through that. We may not know the exact laws of your state and what licensure looks like, but we would be more than happy to walk you through that. You'll either get a hold of Adam Smith or uh, inquiry coordinator uh, or he'll transfer you over to us or you can reach out to us at uh, candid at mayfieldcounseling.com and ask those questions mm -hmm. that's great don't don't let another day go by uh, yeah. to, to seek that kind of help 10 years bef between onset and finally getting help that's it's yeah, ridiculous it's a decade yep I mean, duh, thanks. Um, <laughs> but really, think about that. That's a long, stinking time. Well, think, the yeah. individual that I am now at 25 is drastically different than who I was at 15. And I can't imagine if I had not, per well, one, I'd be dead uh, if I hadn't pursued sure. mental health care at 15. But to to just picture the trajectory of my life from 15 to now without seeking help mm. uh, nowhere close to where I am now. So for two guys that have experienced it, the positives of it, you know, step out in faith and do it. Yeah. And there's beauty in being able to find a good therapist and work through the harm that was done by poor therapists. Absolutely. I mean, there's always, I think just having the benefit of um, belief that it can be done better. Mm is a great first step internally to say I'm willing to give it another shot. Yeah, it sounds good. Thank you for joining us again. Feel free to contact us. Thank you for joining Candid Conversations. If you would like more information, go to mayfieldcounseling.com slash Candid Conversations and check out our Facebook page, Candid Conversations with Dr. Mayfield.